Gilmore gets the steal though. Out and running. He's gonna look to take off. Oh! Devin Gilmore! Team Hotel Montanote from Glanmar. And they're starting five. Onya McKenna, Neve Dwar, Gronya Dwar, Marie Breen, and Tamitza Bacic. That's been put home by Emmett Donnelly, and that's his first field goal of this final. 26 points for Rachel Van der Waal. It's been a long time since anyone has said this. Neptune have won the cup. And then final to Lee Tigers. First Celeste. I'm here with Adele Thornton, the first player in Irish basketball history to win MVP, under 18 and the under 20. Detect denied and victory for UCC Demons. It's Garvey's Tralee Warriors have come out winners. 45 points in made C point shots from CJ Fulton. The Huskies have retained their title. They are cup winners for a fifth time. Second, Corsair Ashley Good second, Ockham score on. Rockall, Grimm, for that Rockall. Oh, the that Corsair. Corsair Hart. Corsair Grootsit, a DCU. Hello everyone and you're all very welcome to our Women's National Cup Final Preview Podcast. On this episode we preview our Under-18, Under-20, Division 1 and Polly O'Connor Cup Finals with our panel of guests of Paul O'Brien, Paul Carr and Niall McDermott. We also discuss some of the semi-final performances with some standout individual plays and team wins. We also get some post-semi-final win reactions from Adele Thornton and Liam Cullity of Brunel and Shannon Brady of Father Matthews, where we get their instant reaction to their semi-final wins and their thoughts in the two-week lead to the Cup Finals. Again, a big shout-out to all the volunteers and those that do all the behind-the-scenes work that allow these competitions and big weekends to take place. Without them and the officials, these competitions and games would not take place. So a massive thank you to all those that do the behind-the-scenes work. And a massive thank you to my panellists on the men's and women's sides for giving up their time and their opinions on the podcast. Of course, it goes without saying, these podcasts are purely to promote the game and promote players. And we just want to wish everyone that's involved in the weekend, whether you're a player, coach, table official, referee or anyone involved in the weekend best of luck and I hope you enjoy and we're about to preview our under 18 and under 20 in shermanhouse.ie national cup finals but first uh, I'd like to welcome our guests our expert panel uh, Niall McDermott and Paul Carr have returned delighted to welcome Paul O'Brien in Paul your first podcast uh, what are your thoughts on the under 18 semi-finals did you manage to catch the girls games yeah two two really really good games um, you know the Meteors game first um, I feel a little sorry for Kevin, to be honest with you. Um, you know, up seven, two minutes to go, and you know, watching it back, uh, I feel a couple of those calls kind of went against them. You know, Tolan's fifth foul and the Grace maybe travel on the last possession, possibly. But you know, for her to hit those two free throws is massive, and fair play to Meteors for coming back from seven points down. And you know, Brunel Trilly was a very good game as well. Brunel jumped out of the traps early. Trilly came back at them. Um, Brunel showed very good poise to finish that game out. And, you know, probably in my mind have maybe the two best under 18 teams in the final, which is great to see, you know, a repeat of last year's final. Um, For me, it's probably the game of the weekend. It's the one I'm most looking forward to watching. So really excited to see those teams go at each other. I think that was a a comment myself and Jason made in the commentary of the Brunel game that they just came out firing. Like the pace of that game, uh, Niall was, was 
very quick early on obviously Tralee got themselves in I said that I kind of made a point on the day was um, they had kind of weathered the storm with Liffey they were down 14 in the quarterfinal and came back and won it but they did well to have composure and, and Brunel ran out of steam a little bit because of the pace they came out the, the game starting off Yeah like Tralee show, have showed great fight in both of their games you know like the Brunel came out in that 1-2-2 press and Tralee looked sort of shell-shocked, you know, and before they knew it, they were down, I think, 10-2 or whatever, and then they were down, like, 14, around 17-3, I think, you know, after, like, four or five minutes. And, like, you're playing Brunel on their home court in the hall, semi-final, down 17-3. Like, a lot of teams would just, that's the game over, you know, and, and Brunel go on one by 20 or 30 points, and, you know, good job, lad, you got to the semi-final, played a good team, no, you know, but Tralee fought back. I think they got back to, like, you know, uh, three-point game maybe a tie game at one stage you know so I was very impressed with um the, their fight um Holly O'Brien is a phenomenal passer of the ball like she she was like setting people up you know Anna's almost strong but Brunel was so talented and they played that pace and they, they just kept going and kept going the whole game and then they wore three down and, and you know got there in the, in the fourth quarter um so you know Burnell of you know they're they're in all three finals for a reason they've you know they've great and actually all three teams play like a, a slightly different style but you're know, very impressed with them as Paul said like you know they definitely are one of the teams probably deserve to win the final with the talent they have um and like you know they've a, they've a really stacked program there like so um yeah very very impressive performance because the other thing too is basketball's momentum game and when you have a big lead to get and then the other team come back. You know, it's hard to get that back again. It's hard to answer that run, like, and, and they did it. The Brunel girls did it, like, and then, like, they were deserved winners by the end. Paul Carr, uh, I'm going to have to distinct, uh, distinct between the two years, but Paul Carr, what did you think of the, the under-18 Brunel game? Yeah, as the guys said, like, Brunel came out of the blocks, you know, their press really, really shocked Tralee. Um, and for a while there, it, in the first quarter, it looked like, you know, Tralee didn't have any answers. I think Brunel did really well on Holly O'Brien at the, in the first half. You know, she only had a, a three in the first half of her 14 to, to finish the game. She came more into it um, in the second half. But, you know, fair play to Tralee, as the guys were saying, to stick with it, even, you know, when things were up against them and to, to claw themselves back into the game. I, re I really like Brunel in terms of just the way they played. I thought, you know, their guards were were very skilled. They, you know, were able to get to the basket well. Um, and I think their their zone and their pre their press really really um would cause issues for any team. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I suppose looking at the Cabin Meteors game, one of the the issues that that Meteors had in that game was the press pressure from Cabin. So. It's interesting to see how they'll adapt um, to deal with, with Brunel pressure um, and be able to kind of overcome that. So, um, again, like looking at the, the Cabin Meteors game, we said in the preview, you know, we, we kind of all were like, okay, it's probably Meteors, they're, they're the favourite, but you never know with Emma Tolan. And, you know, by God, did she, she give a performance in, in the game? Um, and not only that game, but I think she was probably their their best player in the um, Division One game against Open Lions as well, and brought them back in there. So you know she was fantastic over the weekend, um, and really dragged their team along. And as Paul said, I think they were probably unlucky to lose her with two minutes to go. If she stayed on the court, you know, would Meteors, um, have gotten away back into it? Um, but up from the Meteor side of things, to it, you know, I thought Grace Prenter was one of the, you know, she really calmed their team down and um, when they were struggling with that pressure and they, they really went far with 
uh, with her, um, she was a tough matchup for um, for Kevin. So it'll be interesting to see how Brunel match up with her in the final. And the one thing I would say to uh, one pe- person I would like to mention uh, from Kevin's side of things, because you know we all talked about Emma Tolan, obviously she had a big impact, but I thought Lauren McFarland too was was excellent for them. Um, and she really, you know, dug deep uh, for the minutes that, you know, uh, Emma was in foul trouble. So, you know, Ben Kelly Flynn did a great job with that team to get them as far as were and, you know, could have really put an upset up there. So, uh, you know, it is a little disappointing for, for a young club there. Um, but I think, as the guy said, we've probably got two the two best teams in the final. Paul, we've always spoken about cup finals um, being maybe particularly new for teams. These teams, the majority of the players have been there before, both Meteors and Brunel. And then Brunel, a couple of the players, Ava Walsh is one of them. I'm not sure if there's anyone else in three finals. A lot of this under-18 will be in the under-20 final the day before. So experience is there. So nerves might also also be there, but they won't be shell-shocked. You know, they've been there before cup finals weekend. That'll make a massive difference. Yeah, and I think both teams are very used to winning, you know, making finals at this level. So being here last year, you know, a lot of them were involved in that international panels that have played up in the arena and stuff. But like you said, you know, the adrenaline on a cup final day, the first quarter is a little bit messy up and down, which team can kind of control that and harness that energy a little bit better could be a bit telling. Um, yeah, the, the pressure that Meteors did manage, you know, they, they struggled a little bit against Cavan. I, I don't think Brunel have the same athletes that Cavan have that press, you know, Tolan McFarland did a great job at the back of that pressure, getting steals and stuff. I, I don't know if Brunel have that that same size. Um, but yeah, definitely with Abby um, and the other girls at the front, they're, they're very solid in that pressure. So it'll be interesting to see which team comes out with that pressure, can deal with it, doesn't get into foul trouble early. Um, if Meteors can make a couple of outside shots with, with Kira Lynch, you know, she's an unbelievable shooter and, her mentality is so impressive. Even if she misses a few, she's going to keep taking them. So if they can make a couple shots, it's going to be a very interesting game. Paul's made a good point there. Um, Brunel press is different to the, the Cavan press and that a lot of the pressure from the Brunel press comes in the, in the front court from the yards, you know, where it's like Rachel Boydrin, who's a really good defender and the likes of Eva Walsh and stuff. They're putting a lot of pressure on that yard. Whereas in Kevin Eagles, sort of it was like that back row of the press, you know, the athletes who can read the game well and can move well and intercepting those long passes. So it's a different kind of pressure meters are going to face. Um, and like you know, Grace Prenders will have to deal with that. Um, she'll be at the point guard, she's gonna to have to and she's capable of it, like you know, she's a really talented player. Um, you know, whereas Brunel would be as active at the back of the press. So also the teams might change up their style going to the final, who knows, you know, match up, match up differently, but yeah, I just thought it was a good point Paul made. Like, you know, there are different types of presses, but like I'm sure the meteors prep over the next two weeks will be focused on how to how to deal with that, like, you know. Yeah, the point the point I was gonna make there was I thought it was interesting as well when you look at the the box scores. Ava Walsh obviously played under eighteen, under twenty. Perceivably from the stats, she had a better game with the twenties. But it's players like that, Paul Carr, that open up games for other people. You look at Clodagh Downey was brilliant in the under eighteen game, also did well in the twenties game. And also I wanna mention uh great that you mentioned Laura uh, from Cavan but I thought Sinead Kelly did a great job on Grace still Grace had 30 something points she could have got more but even commented on the commentary is that the pressure that Sinead is, is putting on Grace off the ball was massive like th- players like that those roles and we spoke about in the under 20 commentary as well was those roles in cup finals make a massive difference to teams yeah and I suppose with both teams the the one thing you, you can't 
you know, say about either of them is that they don't have depth. You know, both teams have a lot of players who can step up. As you said, as you said, you know, Ava Walsh maybe only had nine in the under eighteens, but you know, she was a top performer in the twenties and had eighteen points. And I thought at certain points in that twenties game, you know, she just put her head down, drove to the basket, and got some some really good baskets and easy pressure for for Brunel when Clesser maybe took a, a bit of an early lead. So both teams have have great depth, and then it's just who who can you know master the role they're given on the day who can hit those shots who can step up when others are struggling and so it's going to be a really interesting contest between between both uh, teams um, and both styles and and you know I, I think as Paul said it's going to be a, a cracker of a game. Paul I'll go back to you on this point um, I suppose with meteors you're combining it was just kind of a ridiculous stat they're combining two AICC winning teams from 2022 and 23 but Cavan were able to poke holes. If you're Brunel, the head coach, or the coaching staff, led by Kieran O'Leary and Jody Back, who were both there last year uh, against Meteors, what do you look for now? How, how would you exploit uh, Meteors' potential weaknesses that uh, Cavan managed to do in the semi-final? Yeah, it's going to be s- such a different style. Um, it's more perimeter-orientated, but I think what Brunel do a really good job of is they rotate the ball really quickly and then they look to penetrate the middle of the the zone that meteors might end up playing and and with someone like Clodagh Downey who they picked up from Cove this year she's brilliant working the short corner and she's so smart she finds open areas and they they get her the ball and you know she's very good finishing around the rim and then you know Mia Lynn she she didn't make a huge number of shots in the semi-final but I think she had five threes in the quarterfinal um it may be different up in the arena but she can shoot the ball um I think Brunel need to do a good job in transition Defensively, I think that's where Grace got a lot of her points in the semi in the semifinal was off rebounds, getting out and running. Meteors half court offense wasn't the best. I think Cav did a good job defensively. Uh, that was a little bit stand aroundy, not a lot of um, penetration and things. Um, I think these two teams they're they're happy to play each other because neither team really has a massive inside presence. So there, there's not someone that is going to be killing them inside. So that maybe stands to both teams a little bit more than what you saw with Tralee being super aggressive against Brunel getting to the rim and um, McFarland and Tolan doing a really good job inside against Meteors. Uh, Niall, will I go to you first? Prediction for this under-18 final, Meteors versus Brunel. Can you call it? I don't want a political answer now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, like Paul said, I think it's, we won the games the weekend and it's, you know, it, it has a tough one to call. Because on, a, on any given day, like, you know, Grace can go off for like, you know, in the last, the final last year, I can't remember many, how many points she scored, but it was a lot. <laughs> it was like, you know, and she's played in the arena. She's trained Irish teams for years and she knows those rims. Like, you know, when she's like the sort of player, you could score 40 points in a game, you know. Um, I think Meteors have other players out there who like can score the ball but they're not scorers, if that makes sense. Like, you know, whereas like Grace is like a pure scorer, she'll score the ball. So they'll need a few other players hitting double digits, I think. Um, whereas Brunel, it could all come down to how well Meteors handle that press. You know, if they if they can handle that press well and get opportunities, because they are good in transition at the other end, as Paul said. Um, I think Brunel, honestly, it's a coin toss game. Um I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Burnell in this one, but I think it's going to be extremely close. Okay, Paula Bryan. Yeah, I think 
one thing that we haven't actually mentioned is you know Ashing Morin is out. I think if she was playing, I'd I'd have Meteors tipped easily, not easily, but they would be my pick for this game. But you know, Ava Walsh, um, I don't think she's going to be flustered by the moment in the arena. Um, Abby Lyons, even though she's only under sixteen, she isn't going to fold under pressure and things like that. So I think Brunel just have a little bit more and like I, I did say this to me is the game of the weekend and I think it's going to be a, a really good weekend for Brunel and I tip them to win this one. Something I actually should have mentioned as well is Brunel have retained their coaching uh, staff from last year. Adele Thornton isn't involved, she's involved with the 20s but Jody and Kieran have been there and um, sorry, meteors have changed so they've gone from Seamus Donnelly and Alan Fearon to uh, Paul McGrath and I'm not 100% sure of the assistant's name, so that's a point I meant to make as well. Paul, I'll go to you on this one. Well, speaking of uh, of Jody Black, I was um, not given the warmest reception after only picking one Brunel team at the weekend, so um, I'll try not to let that influence me, but I am I am leaning towards Brunel as, as both cases. You know, it is a very, very um, close game. It could go either way, and, you know, key players could, could step up. I just... I like the way Brunel played in the semi-final. I thought, you know, I feel that press can have an impact at certain points in the game. Um, and I think, you know, their pressure on their def- defense um, could have cause issues for Meteors. So I think just for, for that reason, I might edge to, to Brunel. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same as last year. Everyone went for Brunel and, and Meteors won the game, but I'm actually going for Brunel as well. I was really impressed with their semi-final. Um, you could potentially say like what you mentioned Paul our media is lucky to be in the final maybe with that last call and um, for Emma to be fouled out so I think with the with the personnel as well you're probably going to look at Ava Walsh picking up Grace Prenter I think that'll be a battle the two of them they're good pals off the court as well but I'd say the two of them matching up but I was really impressed with the way Brunel played I think they're going to set up I think they're going to scout the game I think they're going to be really prepared for this semi-final or for this final apologies and I think they heard it last year a lot of the girls were there maybe didn't play um, but I think they'll be gunning to get back and obviously when they're playing meters who they lost last year that, that'll be a big impact as well so we're going to go 4-0 for Brunel I'm going to get a lot of, lot of angry messages I think after yeah I'm surprised it's, I'm surprised it's a 4-0 because honestly I thought it was a coin flip you know Paul made a really good point um, about Ashley Moore and being out you know because she's like one of the best under 18 players in the country. You know, so that's a huge loss for Meteors. You know, if she's there, all of a sudden that press doesn't look so intimidating, you know, because you have two players who are really comfortable on the ball in the backcourt and two players who can shoot the lights out. Um, but but she's not going to be available, unfortunately. Hopefully, hopefully she'll be back before the end of the season, but she won't be available for this game. So maybe that sort of influences it a bit. But yeah, I'm surprised it was 4-0 because for me it was a, a coin toss, you know. Speaking of uh, players that are injured, uh, Izzy McSweeney is missing for the Brunel under-20s team. Um, of course. That is the same injury, ACL, same as Ashling. Um, we're going to move on to that final now. It's going to be Waterford Wildcats versus Brunel. Paul Carr, I'll go to you first. Um, thoughts on your semi-final uh, between Liffey Celtics and, and Waterford Wildcats? There's only one thought, isn't there? It's just Sarah Hickey, <laughs> 40 points. And, uh, you know, we spoke about it in the... Um, in the preview for the semi-final, you know, I, I can when we went to the selections, you know, I can say that I, I can't bet against Sarah Hickey in, at this age group. She is, you know, the best player in the country at that age group, if not one of the top players at uh, at senior level as well. So, you know, she was fantastic. I do think now others had uh, impacts in that game. I think Arla uh, Dullahan was very good. 
she crashed a lot of offensive uh, boards and you know she got out in the break and she just gave that another option. I thought Liffey handled Tatum Glockner quite well and matched up well with her, slowed her down, got her off the ball. So, you know, she is someone you would expect, you know, to have a bigger game in, in the final. So, yeah, the game itself, you know, um, Kelly Bracken and um, Claire Boyce and those from Levy Celtics played well. I, I think maybe they weren't as aggressive going to the basket as what they could have been in the early parts of the game. And maybe that was because, um, you know, Sarah was there. But I think that's one of the things with the depth of Waterford maybe isn't, isn't there off the bench. So if you can, you know, attack Sarah and maybe get a couple of fouls called on her, then, you know, that might have changed the game a little bit. Um, she mightn't have been as active then on defences and stuff like that. But, yeah, I thought, you know, the, the game was was Sarah Hickey's show and, you know, she showed why she's one of the best, the best player at that, that age group in the country. Mm. Paula Bryan? Yeah, um, very similar to what, what Paul said. It, Sarah's fantastic. Um we played them last year in the semi-final with Mystics. Um, and, you know, before the game, I said to the girls, we we hold Sarah to below 30, which is an outrageous number anyway. Um, we were with a shot of winning the game, and we still only managed to beat them by about 10. And, you know, that group we had last year were super talented. Um, I I feel Liffey, they, they missed a trick a little bit. Um, I felt... Claire Boyce is a very good defender, but I felt at times they left her isolated in the post against Sarah too often. And, you know, Sarah's too strong and she got a lot of points off that. And they allowed her to bring the ball up the floor slowly in transition where she could take a little bit of a break. Whereas I think Brunel are going to put a lot more pressure on her and not allow her just to walk the ball up the floor and not to maybe just stand in the middle of his own. Because like Paul said, I think four of the girls for Waterford played 40 minutes, one of them played 35, and then one girl off the bench played four or five minutes so if any of them get in any sort of foul trouble it, it, it could be different um I, I think Brunel need to make them three make Waterford shoot threes I think they hit two threes in the semi-final both of them were banks so it's not like they were the most accurate of shots um you know for for as many strengths as Sarah has I, I think she's maybe a slightly inconsistent three-point shooter so if you can try and keep around the perimeter and then double, triple, quadruple team around the basket, whatever you have to do to try and get it out of her hands is um, something that I'm sure Adele and the coaching staff and Brunel will be looking at doing. But yeah, it was a super impressive performance from her. Um, like Paul said, Caitlin Glockner, I think, needs to do a little bit more in the final than what she did in the semifinal. Um, and Brunel were very good against a very strong cholesterol team. So it's it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Yeah, the Waterford game, yeah, like, <laughs> as I said, like, you know, Sarah Hickey's just a, a phenom, you know, and like such a strong player. And she just had too much for, for, for Luffy, you know. And she's like, she also, a lot of the way she gets her points is hard to stop because of like their offensive rebounds, things like that. Like, you know, so someone else will miss and she'll just fly in and get the offensive rebound and put it back in. Like, so like things like that are hard, as Paul said. Like, you know, they probably need to make it harder for her and you need to really focus on her. Um, but Luffy are a really talented team, you know, and like they kept going and like it was a close game throughout like and just like they had scores down. Like Kato Sullivan was really good for Luffy. Like we identified her in like the the previous podcast, you know, coming over from On Guard Chaser. She's really came on the scene the past year or two. You know, she had a really good game and like Luffy have a load of players. She can score like 15, 16 points, you know. Um 
but they just didn't have enough, you know, to overcome Sarah and her 40 points. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, 40 points in the semifinals, crazy. Um, it's just like, but that's that's the level she's at. That's the level she's been at, you know, whole way up for you, for you underage. Uh, she's always performed at that level. Um, so, you know, there's no shame in losing to someone like that. It's just a you know, super talented player. Like, um, now the story is the lads were identified too. Like, you know, um, Caitlin does a good job for Waterford because um, she doesn't score back in the semi-final, but she's someone who can who can handle pressure, who can carry the ball, and who can get Sarah the ball where she needs it in the post. Um, you know, which is very important. You know, um, you need someone. You know, if sometimes like when you, when you're a really good scorer, but you're a forward, you play inside. You can have per games just because people can't get you the ball. You know, it's no matter how effective you are in the post, if you can't get someone the ball in there, it can be hard to score that many points. You know. Um, so Caitlin, someone that can do that in order to like, and, you know, Paul said running the break and stuff was give much needed like bonus scoring for Waterford. I think she had 16, like maybe on the, in the semi final. Um, and they need that, like, you know, they needed that to get over the line. But yeah, like, like all the four teams in semi final were really good teams. And it was funny because like they were all like different styles of teams and different um strengths. Like some teams were very deep, other teams were heavily scored, focusing on one or two players. Um and two different sort of like you know Brunel a really balanced team came through that way Waterford you know led by forty points from one player came through as well so sets up for an exciting final. I thought it was interesting as well um the point guard battle between uh Kate and Glockner and Kate O'Sullivan it was like watching the future of the Super League the two of them just going at each other and I was actually I think probably you know maybe on the stats sheet that as we've mentioned Caitlin didn't maybe stand out but I thought in the game she was excellent the pressure Katie was putting on her I commented on the commentary I was like this is outstanding the two of them just you can really just let everyone else leave the court just the two of them just battle it up one on one but I think they were it was interesting as well the spread of scoring we've mentioned that already you know with Liffey with a couple of girls in, in double digits, Maya Purdy did very well. Um, so I thought it was I thought it was an interesting game, but I think going back to the Sarah Hickey factor, I think she's she's massive. And uh, as we said previously on this as well, Orla Dulligan did very well. Just I think myself and Annalise commented on it as well. She's just every transition as Sarah was going, I think Sarah had about I'd say twenty of her points from from trans- transition. Orla was either in front or in line with her every single time, and just picked up. I think she had seventeen or nineteen. In that game, so I thought that was interesting. The Brunel game is probably nearly the opposite of it. Uh, the spread of scoring uh, from both teams was, was massive. Uh, Paula Brown, I go to you. What were your thoughts on the second semi final? Yeah, completely contrasting game. Um, you know, Brunel were were impressive. Um, you know, I think Rebecca Sexton. I think she's she is carrying a bit of an injury at the moment. I think she has um, some shin splints, so she didn't play probably as much as she would have liked. But she was very impressive. Um, like I think we mentioned in the 18s preview, Ava Walsh was probably a little better in the 20s game than she was in the 18s game, which for someone two years underage was incredibly impressive. Um, and then they got that little bit of size with Rachel Lynch, which makes a, makes a big difference. And, you know, she might be able to do a little bit of a good job if they play a zone at the back there, maybe clearing up some of those rebounds and things. Um, yeah, Clester, Clester, they, Lilani Turner was, was excellent. Um, they, they moved the ball really well. It's just, you know, it is hard because it's an away game. Um, Brunel at home in an arena they play in all the time. Probably said that a little bit more. So, you know, for Brunel to make two finals and two underage finals is incredibly impressive. Um, but fair play to Colester for putting it up to them as much as they did. Now I'll go to you on that second semi-final. Yeah, it was back and forth. I think Colester had an early like, 10-point lead, you know, and 
but Brunel, you know, he didn't stop and he kept coming and Pori identified Turner was unbelievable for Clester, you know, really dynamic player, could score in different ways. Courtney was really good as well and Bree Shelley pushing the ball. So like they, they were a very talented team. Those really two really good teams played against each other. Um Brunel started off, they played like a, a two, three zone, which really suits them because they're probably the only team out of the four that have like an inside presence like like Rachel Lynch. So they leave her in around the basket. And when she's in the round there, like she just hoovers up the rebounds, you know, and then she has some sort of key baskets too in the post. If she gets isolated in the post, she can go drop step, go one on one. Like so, that's the one really that a lot of other teams don't have, you know, and the sort of the rim protection and stuff. So she was key for them, especially I think in the fourth quarter, Clester struggled to score down a stretch, and I think she was key, just making sure when Clester took a shot, they were only getting one look at it, and then and then Burnell were getting the defensive rebound, you know, um, um. Yeah, like I say, someone's excellent too. Like, you know, she was injured and she still scored 19 points. Um, Ava Walsh, the boy. One of the things about Ava, and, you know, the skill you don't often see in underage girls basketball, and you see it in both of the games, is that she's really good at finishing free contact. Like, a lot of, like, underage girls, like, um, from coaching even, like, the Irish team and stuff, and not just in Ireland, even in Europe and stuff, you know, it's hard to take contact and maintain your balance and still have a soft finish. But she can do it. Like, she goes in, takes the bump, Gets it up there and still has a soft touch, you know. So that's a really impressive skill. Um, and she was, you know, she was phenomenal in this game, you know. Um, like as you said, I think she's one of like Hank, Hank, Laura Hannigan too, are in all three squads for like the for Brunel for the like, weekend, yeah. So, so yeah, so it's gonna be a busy weekend for for them, like you know. Um, but what a great friend they have, but yeah, like Cluster were, were, were really good, like they started off well. I think just like a couple of shots didn't fall. In like the fourth, and um, the way they were falling in the first quarter and the third quarter, and like you know, they shoot a lot of threes, and like you know, that's just sometimes like you love that and die that. And Brunel were happy, and even when Brunel changed the man, like it was a man, and we're like they were like pressuring the ball, but they were putting like um, Rachel on like a non shooter, and she still wasn't leaving the key, you know, and that's tough to play. Like, you know, and I think that's something we might see more of in the final, you know, where like she's just you won't see her on defense away from the basket much, you know. Um, so that's a really sort of two different sort of weapons they have in the defensive end, uh, which can make it hard to score, like, you know, and Clester couldn't get over the edge in, in the fourth quarter. But Brunel were really good. Um thought Rachel Bowdrum too was good coming in off the bench for the twenties. She was um she gave some key baskets and some really good point guard play, driving addition and stuff. And she's always been a really good defender. Um so like the Brunel team were so deep, like the, I think it was like a nine player rotation they had, and everyone that came on contributed in some way, you know. So that's a big bonus for them too. Um, it's having that deep roster of players who have experience, underage girls stepping up and girls who have been there before and done it. Like so, um, yeah, re really impressed with Brunel, uh, under twenties as well. You know, um, I think they're going to be you know really hard to beat in the final. And again, that a lot of those girls would have been under eighteen last year, so they'll want to right that wrong of losing against Meteors. Uh, Paul, carry your thoughts on that semi final. Yeah, I think first off, just, you know, we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but fair play to Brunel in terms of, you know, three teams in the final is is a great achievement for their club. And, you know, I was in the Pro Hill Hall over the weekend for, for most of it. And, you know, the pride within the club is is great to see in the togetherness. So, you know, unbelievable for them. Um, I didn't get to see the 20s game. I had to go and commentate um, in MTU, but I watched it back um, today. So, you know, 
I think one of the the key things again, I noticed Niall talked about, you know, when they were in that, you know, they were in that zone, and you know, Paul talked about the zone being going to have to be maybe effective to stop Sarah Hickey inside. I Niall mentioned in the fourth when they kind of had switched a little bit more to the man, you know, they cleaned up the rebounds and Glass only getting one shot. I thought early on in the zone they actually didn't rebound the ball that well defensively. Leicester for a smaller side got a lot of offensive rebounds. So that would be a concern for Brunel going into the game because you know Sarah Hickey and, and Orla is uh, crashing those boards. They have to secure those rebounds because you can't give Sarah a second chance um at the basket. I think too the, the the Rachel Lynch and, and Sarah Hickey, you know, matchup is going to be very interesting. And I felt on the offensive end, you know, there was a lot that went through Rachel Lynch, either setting screens for the guards and little handoffs and, and um, making a nuisance of herself uh, from that way. So if her and Sarah are battling and you know, she picks up a couple of fouls and Sarah and has to sit what that, you know, will affect the Brunel offense. So it'll be interesting those different matchups, but again, you know, Brunel had um had a very deep deep uh, squad and a, a a wide range of scores so um you know I thought they were very impressive so it'll just be it's it's going to be it's two kind of different styles different teams so it'll be interesting how that final matches up. Paul, do you want to make a prediction, Paulcar? Yeah, even though I'm still fearing the wrath wrath of Jody Black, I think for this one I, I may go Wildcats. I said it in the in the last um preview I'm not betting against Sarah Hickey and uh, although you know if if Wildcats pick up an injury or Wildcats you know have a bit of foul trouble I think that will hurt them badly. I am still not going to bet against Sarah. Paula Bryan uh, I, I I funnily enough I, I don't think Rachel Lynch will actually guard Sarah Hickey. I think if, if if it were me, I'd have someone hassling her full court. They have enough bodies that they can rotate in and out, making her have to work, and Rachel just kind of helping and doubling anytime she catches the ball inside the, the key. So if if like Paul said, if she can stay out of foul trouble and clear up some of the boards, um, and if the Brunel guards can shoot well, then I do think Brunel have a very good chance. Um it might sound a bit of a political answer, but if if Sarah scores anything over 35 points, I think Waterford will win. If Brunel can hold her below that, I think Brunel will win. And I think that they might just be able to do that if they make Sarah really have to work for the 40 minutes. Because as good as she is, 40 minutes, having someone hassling you the whole game, no matter how good you are and how calm you are, can kind of get a bit rattling. But I'm going to go two for two for Brunel. No, that's an interesting point there. Defensively, how Brunel match up. Could you see something similar? Yeah, like I'd be amazed if, if Rachel started on, on Sarah for a number of reasons because like, you know, um, Sarah is so dynamic and <clears throat> she's great with footwork. If you're playing her one-on-one post, like you're sort of asking for, for foul trouble there, like, you know, because um, she's so crafty with her up and unders and her moves and her, her drop steps and stuff. So I think we'll see what we've seen probably in the cluster game where they put Rachel on someone who they don't think is an outside shooter. And they don't really guard that person outside of the key much, and she just hovers around the basket, you know. And you put someone, Sarah, who's 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 an athlete who's going to put pressure on a perimeter, you know, force her to drive, and then they, under the help, or maybe they step off her and they give her the free and say like, you know, you're not going to get it inside, you're not going to get anything going towards the rim, um, which could be another option. Um, but like, <laughs> like, there's no really good options when you're guarding Sarah Hickey. There's just options that might be better than allergic, you know, because like she, she is so like multifaceted and she can score in different ways. Um, and I'm sure you know we'll see different strategies employed throughout the game. But really, it's like you know as, as we've already identified like 
big key here is going to be like I think the depth against you know Waterford. Waterford only really play five, six players, and like four of those players play forty minutes each. So you know you're just hoping that you know there's no foul trouble and that everyone stays healthy and like you know there's no issues there because the guards that come in might not might not have the experience in playing at this level and that could leave you exposed maybe possibly. Um, but they navigate the semi final like that, you know. But we've seen sort of similar thing happen when the Cavan team when Emma Toll went out and she's such a focal point there in the last two minutes of the Meteors 18s game. Like, you know, um, hopefully we'll not see anything like that happen again. And, and you know, we'll see a good game of both teams playing their strongest the whole way through. Um, yeah, well, I think Paul Neal there, like, you know, can he keep <laughs> even they say, like, if he keeps it under 35 points, you're doing well. Like, that's a, a crazy thing to say, like, you know. Um, like normally, like, now, not many times as a coach, I've said like, right, we'll keep someone under thirty-five points, and we're doing well, like you. Know? Um, but that's that's where they're at, like you know. I think I think Burnell, like Burnell, have the bodies to throw it. Sir, I guess other thing too, like they've multiple players who are good defenders in the perimeter, so they can go on pick up one or two fouls, and they switch someone else on pick up one or two fouls, and keep changing that up. Um, I think we will see that. Um, and we'll see a mixture of zone and that sort of man where Rachel Lynch, Rachel Lynch protecting the basket. Um, Brunel have more weapons, you know. Um, so we sort of like can can and as big the fact that like you know they've such experience and players who played in the arena because sometimes if teams go to the arena for the first time, no white side shots can fall for them and stuff, and they they struggle. I think Brunel have that issue. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a close one again. Um, He's sitting on that fence. It's great. I'm 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 directly on top of the fence at the Um but it's great for as we say it's great for Cup Finals weekend that you know so many of these games go under them. It's like, you know, in previous years we've had like, oh, you know, we think this team's gonna win, but you know, our team have a chance if they do A B C. This one it's it's just like, you know, you could easily see Sarah Hickey scoring forty points a game and Waterford winning. You easily see Brunel getting like double digit scoring from five other players and they won as well, like you know. Um but I am going to go with Waterford in this one. Um, I just think that um, if in doubt, you know, which I am, um, go with who has got the best player. And I think I think Sarah is the best player under twenties. Um, and I think just like you know, she's got so much experience and stuff, and she's been in so many big games, big situations. Um, that I can just see her doing it again in the final, but. Again, like it's, it's it could so easily swing Brunel's way if if you know if they get the multiple players hitting double digits, like, you know. So, but I'll just I'll just one two Waterford. I picked Brunel in the last one. I can't go Brunel Brunel. I couldn't do that, like you know. So, gotta change it up. Yeah, I'm smiling here, Niall, because I really struggled with this one as well. And I think it's it's it all depends. And we mentioned in the semi final preview that it all depends on the way the game goes. And you know, it goes against nearly everything we say about cup, where you rely on one player. But when you have someone like Sarah Hickey, how do you bet against her? You know, but I'm I'm probably going to bet against her in the sense of what was mentioned defensively. Like when you look at the roster here for for Brunel under twenty, you've got Kelsey Cooper, Rachel Bodron, Ava Walsh, Rebecca Sexton, all really quick, strong guards who could ha- just hang off her all day. And they if they get into foul trouble, it's grand. Swap the next one in, high energy. Swap the next one in, and when you've got four people potentially rotating on you you know that'll probably tire you down and as well probably the weapons wise I'd probably go in Brunel's favour if if Waterford got into foul trouble they don't have the depth that Brunel would so I'm going to 
slightly edge it to Brunel, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Waterford win the game. So slightly political answer. I'll be getting angry messages now from Waterford, but I just think with the loss last year in the 18s with a lot of that group back in the Cup Finals weekend it's a massive year for Brunel it's their 40th anniversary they also they, uh, they lost their founder at the start of the year they have a three of three teams in the finals weekend this is the first game they're going to pack it out everyone's going to be up for the Demons game as well um, I'm going to edge it to Brunel in that, in that sense but again political like now like I could see Waterford win the game um, Yeah, another thing too just, just sort of keen to me is sort of like you know Paul mentioned earlier on about like Waterford won their game only scoring a couple of three pointers, which is really unusual in basketball the way it's played now. You know, whereas like you know Brunel, like if they're hitting their threes, I think they'll be hard hard to beat. You know, um, teams don't always shoot so well in the arena. I don't think they'll hit the threes at the same rate they hit them in the hall, appropriate hall. You know, but if they do, if they can hit their threes, then they'll I think they'll almost hurt them because they have so much firepower from from the perimeter. But it's just hard in the arena to do that. You know, we've seen teams do it before. But more often, that team struggle to score from outside in the arena, um, which is de- that definitely favours Waterford over Brunel because they get so much of their score from from the inside, from transition and attacking the basket and posting up and offensive rebounds, you know. So just the thing probably just shades it for Waterford for me. I was kind of loath, kind of loath to say Brunel as well because you know credit to you, Orla, with this podcast. So many people listen to it that Sarah might listen to this now, and similar to when we played <laughs> last year and. Yourself, Orla, and Niall picked Limerick to beat us in the final. Um, gave gave the girls a little bit of motivation. So not that Sarah needs that extra motivation, but um, maybe two of us picking against her might might drive her to um even even wanted that a little bit more. I I only picked Limerick in the in the final because I felt it was a coaching mismatch. But Paul's didn't think you could, you could pull it over the line. So fair play, did you prove me wrong? I didn't know you had it on me. And Paul, I have to respect it a year later and you still hold the grudge. Love yeah, it. it's still there. And you have to mention That's it. That... Good. The only reason I jumped on was to mention that. So I had no interest in the game at all, just to say that, yeah. Something I actually meant to mention as well, Paul, you mentioned her there, Rebecca Sexton. She had shin, shin spins coming into the game, also got injured early on and then still came on and added, and added 19 points um, in kind of reduced minutes in, in the second half. So that was massive for her as well. Um, I did mention, mention that earlier. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be tight. This could be, and and it could be a situation that myself and Jack Scully uh, got ourselves into with the under eighteen boys after Phoenix won. We got a rake of messages, and I got tags in the page of all the Phoenix lads uh, thanking us for for predicting them four and zero. But um, yeah, I think I think this could be. I think it's interesting as well. I wrote about it in the piece as well. Like we've such talent at under eighteen and under twenty levels um, on both sides, particularly the girls side. It's just. I, I I loved the semi-finals. I thought they were cracking games. Both both incredible standard, really. Oh yeah, definitely they were. Like you could see, like you know, like all all four semi-finals really. Like you know, you could see a way where the team that lost could have could have easily won it. You know, if, if a certain fan went their way, um, which is, is not often the case. Do you know what I mean? Like all the teams, if one or two fans went their way instead of the other way, they could they could be in the final. So like that's. That's great to see where you go into the game, you've no idea who's going to win, but you think this happens and they'll win. If this happens, they'll win. Like that's that's where you want to be. And it just shows sort of the depth of talent. In previous years, sometimes you've had a one team or two teams that are dominant and you know unless they play each other, they're gonna be in the final, or this team's definitely gonna win it unless something weird happens. Like, you know, I don't think we have that this year. Um I think teams that are well balanced, talent talent across across the board and across the country. So yeah, great to see. 
Perfect. Okay, that is it for our under 18 and under 20 segments. I'd like to thank my expert panel. Guys, thanks so much for your additions and I look forward to hopefully catching up with you soon and potentially at the finals weekend. Thank you. Great. Cheers, Orla. I'm joined with Shannon Brady of Catalyst Fodder Matches. Shannon, can you talk us through a bit of that game? <laughs> yeah, look, um, I think we came out, like I said, we came off a tough loss last weekend. We had a really intense week of training. We were really pushing ourselves. Pat was pushing us, especially on the defensive end. And I think that showed at the start, you know, we came out in attack mode and defensively strong, locking people down. And I think we really carried that mentality through us throughout the game. So we knew there was going to be, you know, ebbs and flows as there is with every game, but we kept that tough mentality going through. You came into this game five and six in the league. Media, mm-hmm. er, uh, apologies, Liffey Celtics were nine and one. Coming into it, was that was a sign of the previous games, particularly the Brunel game. We won't mention the Gloucester game, <laughs> uh, the league game that happened last week. But how do you stay? How do you find confidence in those games coming into a game like this today? Look, I think we have a no fear mentality this year. Every team we've played, it's, it hasn't been you know a blowout. I know last weekend against Cluster was a tough loss, but we've been with every single team, and I think we know we have the capability to beat any team. And we brought that mentality here tonight too. I don't think you know all of us came in expecting to win. Nobody expected it to be you know a loss today, which I think is important. Pat mentioned the union, uh, the unity and the bond that you have within the group. How has that been cultivated this year? I know Neve obviously was coach, she's now a player. Yeah. That's a massive addition for you on the court, but how has that been cultivated this year? Look, I think, like I said this to John too, our culture has been building over years. We have a really strong core group, but this year especially having Neve back on the court, another incredible voice and hustler, positive influence, having Pat in the sidelines to coach us, and then a lot of new additions coming in too, bringing in that new energy. It's just, it's molded really well, and you can see it, like we have great cracks together, we we laugh on the court, we play hard for each other, and that's all you really want in a team at the end of the day. You have two weeks until the cup final. What will you need to improve to hopefully bring home the trophy that day? Yeah, look, we're going to go back. We're going to look at the game, I'm sure, but um, you know, just not taking any plays off, not having those lags and in intensity that might like, you know, we had a great, you know, we were up on them at halftime, then they came back a bit. So just really staying focused through those moments um, and keeping our defense locked in, especially. Your six years here in Ireland, five at Father Matthews. What would it mean for you to win the cup with this team? Uh, I mean, get emotional thinking about it. I mean, everything. Like I said, the, my loyalty is to these people in this club, and and we deserve it. They deserve it. So we're looking forward to it. I'm joined by head coach of Brunel, Liam Cullity. Liam, a massive win today. You're through to the cup final. Yeah, delighted. Delighted. The girls really stuck to task. Um, you know, Clester started really well, shot the ball really well. Once we kind of settle down and into our groove and playing the way we know we can play, um, you know, the second half was really good and really proud of the girls and the effort they put in. It was a different team nearly coming into that second quarter, just the up the intensity and, the aggr- and being aggressive on the ball. What did you say at the end of that first quarter? Uh, look, we were just patient. Like, we knew that we knew we were going to have a run. We knew we were going to have a moment in the game where we would just turn and flip. And like I was talking to the other fella there, the other reporter is saying, like, there's, there's a 30-point quarter in us probably every game. Um, you know, we just have to rely on our defense a lot more and probably communicate a little bit better. Uh, but once we do that and we ch- we're all tuned in and we're running the ball well, we know, uh, you know, we're, we're hard to slow down. Their zone did a really good job in the first, in the first quarter, but once we figured that out um, and we look for reversals on it um, and, you know, the passes were there, we really, uh, you know, I was really happy with how we pushed on. The spread of scoring and the spread of play from everyone was fantastic. I was trying to pick out key individuals, but everyone made a mark today. Even Kelly Sexton came on and made a huge impact in that second quarter. Yeah. It was a really overall brilliant team performance. Yeah, to be fair, everyone. And look, I probably didn't even rotate as more in this game than I would have done before. Um, so that's something I need to improve on myself. But, you know, every girl, every every when, whenever their number is called, they're ready to go. And it could be, I could be rotating seven, I could be rotating 12. It doesn't really stop our, our, our way of playing. Um, and our style so just really happy for the club and for the players obviously as well and we're all looking forward to two weeks time you've two weeks to prep for the cup final you know who your opponent will be it'll be catalyst for the matches uh, what will you need to improve on to hopefully bring home the, the cup 
Yeah, look, we have another we have a league game first next again against Trinity Meters. That's a big one for us. Um, you know, we can't we can't let our we can't take our foot off the gas there either. Uh, but obviously, two weeks time, Matthews Matthews had us nearly beaten two weeks ago. Um, you know, we were down seven minutes ago, and I'm sure they'll be working on stuff to improve. And we know kind of ourselves where we let ourselves down a bit there in that game. So. Yeah, it'll be a massive occasion, big Cork Derby in a final. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm sure the Dwyers and all those have so many cup medals and we're still here trying to claw and fight for our first one. So it's going to be a massive battle and uh, we're all looking forward to it for sure. Something Pat Price mentioned in his interview and I can see with your team is the bond and the unity within the squad. Everyone seems to be getting on great, one of their great friends on and off the court. That's been massive for you this year. Yeah, massive. I mean, everyone kind of knows each other. You know, a lot of them would have been on underage international teams growing up and uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be involved with, it, with a few of them there as well. So the bond is unbelievable, and that starts with Adele, and it works all the way down. You know, she's unbelievable at bringing everyone together. Some people lead by example, some people lead by barking at people, some people lead by turning up every game. This girl does it all. She takes every box for leadership. It's unbelievable, and uh, you know, we're all behind her, and she's she's pushing us all on to be better. Brilliant. Thanks, Liam. Best of luck in the final. Thank you. I'm joined by Brunel, Captain Adele Thornton. Adele, you're through to the National Cup final. Your first senior final. How does it feel? Ah, oh, it's class. Uh, you know, uh, we set out at the start of the year, and it was definitely a goal for us as a group to get to a, a final, if not one, if not more than one. Um, so it's really nice, you know, to get to that that first cup final now. Um, so I'm re I'm really excited for myself and for the club, and you know, it's a big opportunity for us. I was saying to Liam there in our previous interview about I was trying to pick out key people, but it was a team performance overall for yourselves. Everyone stepped up in their own way. Even if you look at the the scoreboard or the stats. You might think, oh, maybe Kelly Sexton didn't have that many points, but she made a massive impact, and she's not the only one. There's plenty of them. Uh, do you know what? We talk about it all year. Um, we are, a f like, it's probably the best team, full team, that I've been a part of in a long time. Um, you know, we all do our job, and when we all do our job and we click, things just happen, and, you know, we came out with the win at the end of the day, and like you said, Kelly might not score much, but she's so important to our team. She pressurises every single person she plays uh, defence on, and, you know, she's absolutely inc incredible, just like Lauren, just like JJ, just like Jayla, Danielle, everyone. You know, they're all, we all do our job, and we all play as, as one really well together, and we complement each other. We were talking before the game about just going out and having fun. You look like you were enjoying yourself out there in the court. The crowd were getting behind you as well. Yeah, do you know, um, that's what we are as a team. I think we're very passionate and we're very, we play very emotionally. Um, and hopefully we're fun to watch. Uh, cause, you know, it is, it's a lot of fun to play with girls like that. And, and we all like each other and we all love each other. Do you know, we're, we're a real big, happy family, like as, as cringy as it is. But like, we just get on so well. It's so nice to be able to come out after a win here now and hopefully go to get a cup. That's what I was saying to Liam, you can, you can tell that bond is there, that unity, that friendship. What would that mean for you if you get over the line and win the cup final? You know, that um, ah, the, the friendship is through the club, you know, um, the whole, every team has it. Um, we're a real family club and this year of, of all years is our 40th anniversary and our founding member sadly passed away at the start of the season. Um, so for us as a group and for everyone involved, you know, um, since I was a child, this is something that we've aimed for, so it would be really nice if we could come home in January with a cup. Uh, you've two weeks until the final, you've a lot of time to prepare. I know you've a game next weekend against Trinity Meteors. What will you need to prepare to take on further matches and hopefully get a win? Yeah, you know, we played them there just before Christmas and we, we came away with a one-point win, which was really hard for us. Um, it was a really tough game and they put up a lot of, a lot of dif different defences on us. So we're just going to have to be ready for everything that we might get um, and be ourselves. I think today we did the same thing and in that game as well, we, we did the same thing. Um, we're just ourselves and if we can focus on us, hopefully limit them and then, you know, it's best of the best at the end of the day.
it's 10 or 11 years since your uh, double success and your two MVPs under 18 and under 20. Is this a dream come true for you? You're away in the States, you're back now at your home club in the biggest weekend of the year. What does it mean for you personally and for your family? You know, um, yeah, it's lovely. Um, it's something that we've always wanted. It's something I wanted before I went to the States. And thankfully now we're back in it this year and uh, we get a chance to hopefully win a cup. Uh, you know, nothing is said and done yet. Um, we're there. But we have one more step and now one more game to hopefully win a win a trophy. And for my family and for this club, you know, it would mean an awful lot um, personally and for everyone. So, yeah. Brilliant. Best of luck, Adele. Thank you. Thanks, Arla. Okay, hello everyone and you're all very welcome to our Women's Division 1 and Potty O'Connor Cup Finals Preview. Delighted to welcome back both Pauls O'Brien and Carr and welcome back another stalwart to the podcast by now, Niall McDermott. Guys, thanks a million for joining me. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. We're a couple of days away. We were looking at some of the, the league um, games from the weekend. Does a two-week break suit between cup finals? Should we extend it out? Paula Brian, I'll go to you first. Is it is it too short, this two-week break? Personally, I really need to go back to three. I, I can't take this two-week two uh, break for too much longer. Um, Yeah, it's... To be honest, I don't, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference. Um, Maybe if you've... You know, Father Matthews were off last week as well, so they have a, a whole two weeks to prepare for the Cup. But I think two weeks, three weeks, I, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference, personally. Um, for me, like, um, coming from, like, a coach perspective, like, it can cause issues if you're not in the Cup, which, unfortunately, I was in that position a lot of times where if we weren't in the semi-final of the Cup, because it also comes, comes so close after Christmas. So depending on how the Christmas holidays fall, like you always lose one week. Sometimes you could even lose two, depending on the calendar and stuff. So if you're not in Cup Semi, then I know it happened one year to us, where our last week before the Christmas break, we had a bye week. And then we had the Christmas break, and now we weren't in Cup Semi-Final. So over the space of like seven or eight weeks, we had one game. So it was almost like you're going back to the almost like pre-season mode, because like, you know, the players are like, and it's over Christmas too, so players are, you know, enjoying himself for a week or family stuff, whatever, and guys are going home and coming back. So like, I I just, have, I think because it's also come so close after Christmas, it can't, it's great if you're in the cup because you're just going, you know, game, 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 one week off, whatever Christmas, then you just go straight on the other But if you're not in the cup and then you also have like a bye week or something, like that's when it can cause problems. I feel like, you know. Paul Carr, how did you manage it? Um, not to rub it in that you weren't in cup semifinals and the finals, but how were you managing it with your training schedule? Yeah, I think the biggest issue for me is probably work-wise working for BI. That basically I'm part of cup semi-final and final weekend, whether I uh, whether I make it there or not. So trying to trying to do anything at the weekend, you know, uh, from a coaching point of view, basically I I just can't do it. You know, so that that's probably the the struggle for me. Maybe if I was in a, another profession, it would be a little easier to be able to you know organize a friendly match or something like that there. Um, but yeah, I, I from a coaching point of view, I, d- I definitely see if you if you had a bye week, especially and even this year, I I've seen it you know cause maybe certain issues in terms of just having that extra week off and you know not having the having the games. But uh, from a kind of fans point of view, and you know sort from someone who's just working with BI and and being a, a lover of basketball you know the quick turnaround is is something that I always enjoyed because it just feels like 
it's it's basketball mad in January. You know, we're in the middle of uh, schools finals at the moment after coming off uh, cup semi final weekend um the two weeks before, and then now we're going straight into the finals. So, um, it is it's just a great great time to be involved in the sport and see so much basketball every day. I'm the only one then that doesn't like this two week turnaround. <laughs> is that is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Is this too much too much work in the media to say, does it, Arna? Too much, too much, too much. I need a holiday after this. I wanted to take a break from basketball for like a month. Um, uh, Paul O'Brien, I'll go to you first. Uh, Division 1 final, Dublin Lions um, are going to play Limerick Celtics. This is Limerick Limerick's first cup final uh, and Dublin Lions are going for back-to-back. Um, and the game's at 12.15, so early enough start, but, you know, interesting that the three Limerick games are all together. I'm sure that's that's obviously been planned, uh, and Dublin Lions are playing basically down the road, so we could have a, a big crowd at this one. Yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, two teams that deserve to be in the, the final, looking at the, the semi-final games. Um, you know, their league record might not be, they might not be top of the league, but that's the beauty of the cup sometimes, that the teams that are maybe fourth, fifth, or wherever, they are, you know, with four or five losses each, have the opportunity to be up in the arena. So yeah, I think it'll be a be a really high quality game. Lots of great players. Um, both teams have two very solid Americans. Um, I guess it's which players, which teams, Irish players can kind of really step to the fore. Because looking at the four Americans, they they might cancel each other out a little bit. Um, so which teams, Irish players can really step up could be key to this game. Paul Carr, you faced um, both of these teams, and I've seen the Americans. Um, what were your thoughts? I know you got a win over you got a win over both of them, was it? Both at home and Elsa. Yeah, again, not uh, rubbing it in there, Arla. We can we, we beat them in the league and uh, watch watch them in the final. But listen, I uh, commented on both games down there. I think um, Celtics uh, Oblitz game. I don't think either team would have been particularly happy with their. The kind of first half performance. I think uh, Lucy Devoy came out big for for Dunmore Celtics in the uh, second half. I think Michaela Brandon had just come in when we had played them. Um, she might have had a one game before before us, and she was still kind of finding her feet in that game. But she had a massive semi final for them. Uh, both scoring the ball and and rebounding the ball, which um I think was important for Celtics because Oblitz did a did a good enough job on uh, Samantha Coleman, but um you know Save Edwards Murphy as well chipped in. I suppose the big issue for Celtics um is uh, uh Amy Buckley missing. I don't know if she's back. I seen her on the stream uh, the last day against Temple O. She was out of the boot that she was in in Cup semi-final, so maybe she'll be back for the final. But that just brought their rotation down to six players. Um, and from that point of view, Lions, I think, could possibly be a, a tough matchup for them because Lions, you know, rotate nearly 11 players. They have a really deep bench. Um, so if Limerick get into any foul trouble. The other thing as well is, is Celtics, because of that kind of um, lack of depth, they they sit in the zone for most of the game to protect themselves from foul trouble and you have Sydney Kane in, inside who can who can score the ball um if you feed it in but then you've got a lot of shooters um from South uh, from Lions point of view as well um I looking at the Lions Eagles games to, to use the whole cliche it was really was a, a game of two halves you know Eagles came out they were a bit shell shocked in the first couple of minutes I think maybe just first semi final young team. Uh, they were a bit deer in headlights, and you know they gave up fifty in the first half, which was which was huge. Um, but then they came back into it in the second and made it a close game. Emma Tolan again was was fantastic in in the 
in the division one, probably the best players on e- on Eagles side. But um, I suppose what would be very interesting would be the start of this game. So you have to give Rob White credit in Lions, whether it was the semi-final or last year's final against Belfast. His teams have come out hell for leather and they have put up some big, big early leads and have been able to protect that. So Limerick are going to have to be ready for that start um, and keep the game close if they're going to be in a chance of winning. Now, what were your thoughts on the semi-finals? Yeah, look, I think the both teams that, that progressed the final deserve to do so. Um, I think that um, Kevin, Paul said, Eagles, like, you know, had a slow start and they came back great in the second half, but Lions had enough um, mental fortitude just to close that game out. And it was a really scrappy game. The other one, you know, the start was a low-scoring game and then like, Celtics just had sort of just out fought, I fought Abbas in the second half and just, um, you know, credit to both teams for getting to the final. And I think that, as Paul already alluded to, it's that, you know, I think both these teams sort of have, like, are probably the two teams in Division 1 have, like, the widest sort of um, variability and sort of, like, on the day, what they can be like. You know, like, they can be inconsistent. And if you play either of these teams and they're at their best, they can beat any team in the league, you know. But I think they could also probably lose the most teams in the league on their bad days, you know. So, um, for them, like, you know, fairly, like, the coaching staff and stuff, they've obviously got the players up for the cup games and they progress through. Uh, both of the coaching staff have done a good job there, like, you know, and they've got them to play at their best when it mattered in the cup. And, like, you know, as, as uh, Paul mentioned too, they think um, Lions were here last year as well under Rob and they came out on fire. They were they had a great start to that game and I think was it Rockets had a great comeback, but just like Lions were able to see it out and then it became an exciting game. But like, so it makes for a very interesting final um, because you have two teams who, like, you know, if they both show up and they're both on form, it could be a cracking game. Or if one team's at their max and another team's a bit off, you know, it could be a 20-point game. Do you know, that's, that's the way both these, both these teams are. I've seen them win games by 20 points this year and I've seen them lose games by 20 points this year. Um, so whenever, like, you're looking at the fixtures coming out and you see them on the schedule, you know, they're, I think, the two probably hardest teams to predict week in, week out, how the game's going to go. There's loads of times I look at the fixtures and I'm like, oh, that's going to be one for them. And they lose by 20 points. And there's other times where I think, ah, it's a tough one for them. And they won by 15. And you're just like, I just can't figure them out, like, you know. But it shows the talent they have. It's probably too about, like, they, they both rely on a lot of young players, I think, you know. Um, and just so in all basketball, like, you know, when you have younger teams playing senior basketball, consistency is probably, like, the hardest thing to find, you know. Um, because, like, that comes with experience. And there's no way to get experience without just going out and doing it, and and and, take, and that that'll probably start the double lions because they've been here last year, they've been in the cup run last year. So, but a lot of a lot of the Celtics here too will have played in the underage cups and came through. Like they've had really good success over the past number of years in the underage scene. And uh, both, both both the boys and the girls. Um, and as Paul said, like Amy Buckley, if she's available, is a is a big boost because it just deepens that. Like, there's a big difference in a six player rotation and a seven player rotation. You know, like that seven player rotation just gives you a bit of leeway if someone gets in foul trouble or rolls an ankle or anything like that. Like, you know, um, where if you're a six player rotation, you know, and like someone like Michaela gets a, gets an injury, she's really hard to replace off the bench and they're losing a lot of rebounds and stuff like that. Like, you know, so if any Buckley's back, that'll be huge for Celtics. Um, but yeah, it's re- going to be a really hard, hard one to predict because both teams can be so up and down, like, you know. I think it's interesting just because Niles, Niles point just uh, specifically on Michaela the league games at the weekend it'd be interesting to see how 
both teams uh, bounce back or, or how that affects them. Limerick got a, a huge win over Temple Oak. Um, you know, Temple Oak, a really good team. I know Celtics knocked them out of the cup. Um, and if you look at um, Celtics league form at home they're they're really tough to beat nobody really likes going down and um, into that gym but um Michaela Brandon I think got two unsportsman likes in that game so she wasn't available for the whole um set nearly the whole second half and they still managed to to overcome Temple Oak and then Lions had a had a tough uh loss on the road to to St. Paul's and I know St. Paul's were were missing one or two key players too so it'll be interesting to see if that has any impact. I, I know you know, again, looking at the league games, Celtics bet Lions seventy nine fifty one, but again, that was down in in Limerick Celtics um home gym. So, um, as Niall said, I, I think it is. It could be one of those games where it's really really close, or if one team just comes out and the other doesn't, it it could be um quite a big gap. So it's uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they how those league fixtures affect them going into the cup. That was actually something I was going to say was talking to Shannon Brady and Pat Price from Father Matthews after their semi-final win. It was that Leicester game they said was the reason why they won the cup or that cup semi-final because it refocused them like that big loss and you're, you're potentially looking at that for Lions you know 20 what is it 25 point loss or 23 points sorry they only scored 51 they averaged 76 a game Paul O'Brien from a coaching point of view how would you manage that week coming in uh, from Dublin Lions perspective? Um, well Personally, any any time, you know, we've had quite a few losses this year at Mystics ourselves, like so I have a bit of experience coming off a loss. Um, but we 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 tend to do similar things. Um, you know, consistency is really important, and you know, I, I think looking at Lions that they've struggled on the road this year, and the arena isn't too far away from them. So it's, you know, like I think Paul said, they they took a bit of a loss down in Limerick, um, a bad one down in Killarney at the weekend against against two good teams, but you know. I think Rob's a very experienced coach. I think he'll look at look at Limerick. They'll um they're more than likely going to sit in a zone. So I'd say he'll spend a lot of the week working on zone offensive stuff. Maybe trying to get Sydney Kin the ball at the high post. Maybe trying to tack Sive Edwards Murphy a little bit. Maybe try and get her in a bit of foul trouble. Um, yeah, it's going to come down to maybe some shares. Um, Ken Smith or Flanagan make a couple of threes. Um, to maybe extend that Limerick zone a little bit. And I really enjoy watching. Lions, Lions in the Cup semi-final actually I thought they pushed the ball really really well and you know it's a bit of a conflict or a, a contrast of styles I think Limerick want to slow it down more whereas Dublin Lions really look to outlet it get the ball quickly up the court and try and score early in transition so if they're able to do that it could be um be very favourable for them Now McDermott I'll go to you first for a prediction on this uh, Division 1 Women's Cup final uh, Limerick Celtics or Dublin Lions yeah, like I said, it's a tough one to predict because of, you know, the the range of sort of performances both teams can put on. I think it's definitely an advantage for Dublin Lions. It's in the arena in Dublin, you know, and um, as we mentioned already, you do it much better at home. It's not too far from talking just across the, the arena. Um, and it's an early start too, so I think away games too, the earlier game, the tougher it is if you're the away team because it means like a really early start. I don't know if Celtics plan to go up the night before or they go in the morning or whatever, but if you're going to get up in the morning and go on, that's tough as well. Um, but I've been really impressed with Celtics in the cup games, and I know, like, you know, I've been really impressed with Lucy Devoy. Um, I think she's really came under her own. She, she's getting, she had some great, good flashes last year, and uh, this year I think she's becoming more and more consistent. And she's sort of player too that seems to do it in the big games, you know, like the cup games, she really steps up in the big games. Um, so 
based on the fact that I'm now living in Limerick and I want to not have to look over my shoulder for the rest of the year, uh, I'm going to have to pick Celtics. Falgar. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. I, I think I'm probably going to go towards Dublin Lions simply for the fact, as Paul said, I, I think they're really going to want to push the pace and they have the depth and the personnel to do that. They may also pressure Celtics, make their, their players tire out a little bit more and they have the, the personnel to do that as well. So I think for that reason and just the the, the stronger bench that um I think I'm going to go with Lions in this one. Paula Brown. Yeah, I think you know, you can see that the two lads probably have a little more um, knowledge of division one than I have at the moment, and they're both struggling really to um to pick. So I, I think if Lucy Devoy has a good game, I think Limerick will have been with a chance, but I'm just gonna edge it towards Dublin Lions slightly. Um I think that experience from last year stand to a few of them and I think Sydney Kinn is a she's a really really good player um, so just double nines for me Yeah, I probably agree with you there and go with Lions I think I look back on their um, their league game which was in Limerick and they had 51 points they only shot 12% from three so obviously that's going to probably be a focal point and they've played in the arena before they've been there they've a bit of experience the depth that they have um, I'm going to tip it to the double lines but again as we've said with a lot of these games you can see Limerick potentially um coming away with the win I think the crowd as well will be interesting shout out to the under 18 boys from Dublin Lions last year they were causing havoc I'm sure they'll be back in the arena again uh, after their Friday night game so I think yeah we're going to gonna tip it to Dublin Lions 3-1 on that one I'm going to move on to the Paddy O'Connor Cup final between um, Catalyst Father Matthews and uh, I'm not going to try to say Gurrenbacher Credit Union Brunel I think that's right um, this was probably uh, Niall were you the only person to back Brunel in the last podcast I think you were. Probably, because I'm usually right, Dick, so probably, you know. Actually, I was, because <laughs> someone actually, um, I think it was Laura Holman said, I mean, Saturday night, I was, yeah, came over and said, you the person to pick us? And I was like, yeah, obviously, you know, I get it right. Was this, did you expect it the way, you know, the semi-finals go the way it did? Um, look, we knew it was going to be a game, two different styles, um, basketball, class, with their size and size and stuff, and Brunel, the way they like to pay, and, you know, the only loss that year was two cluster, but that was when Adele was missing and Adele made a huge difference coming back, you know. Um and it was a really good battle, really tough battle. Um I think Cholester felt like they got the, the rough end, some calls and foul trouble really cost them. Um there's no doubt about that no, no doubt about it. The foul trouble definitely cost them. Um and like I think, you know, I think in, in semi finals and finals things like that, like, you know, I think I don't want to criticize referees because like I think people forget like it's also like big games for them and there's a lot of pressure on them and those are the games everyone's watching and stuff and like I've refereed myself like not not at national league level but even like local league and underage and stuff you know and it's it's not an easy job like um but I think in games like that you just want to sort of like I was talking to someone about it on the Friday night and I've seen a referee actually and he said like you know someone actually learned a referee course like before he blew the whistle sucked the whistle you know, it's just like it's better to be slightly late with a call and get it right or like make sure it's definitely a call rather than just, you know, blow the whistle straight away and then you've got to sort of commit, you know. Um, and I think games like that, you probably want to let a bit more go and you know, you got to have an understanding of the game and stuff. But at the same time, like, you know, how many mistakes does a coach make during the game? How many mistakes does a player make during the game? Do you know, like, 
way more than the referees, I would say. Like, you know, <laughs> so like so it's just unfortunate that Cluster feels like they get a, a raw dealer, but sometimes it just happens, you know, when it was a fortune for them, the players got in foul trouble were key players on the inside. But even in saying that, you know, had they not gotten foul trouble, you know, I think Burnell was still playing really well. And it's their pace and stuff. Um and like, you know, like you can't begrudge them getting to the final their league form this year. Like, you know, they've just been on absolute fire since the start of the year. The only game they lost was when Adele wasn't there when she's been there. Like they've, you know, won most games pretty comfortably, apart from, of course, against Father Matthews when they won that really close one. So that really sets up this one nicely, you know. Um so it should be a cracking final. Um but yeah, so like they, they came through the semi final because I predicted it. So Fair play to them. <laughs> Paula Brian, what were your thoughts? Um, Father Matthews with a bit of bit of an upset over Liffey Celtics there. Um, yeah. To be honest, I, I don't think it's as massive an upset as some people are making it out to be. I think Father Matthews are a very, very good team. You know, they lost a few games at the start of the year when they were kind of trying to figure things out. Um, they've been on a great run though, and you know they probably should have beaten Brunette on that game uh, a few weeks ago as well. So. Yeah, they're really well coached, Pat Price. And then they, you know, they also have another coach on the floor with, with Neve when when she's on the court. She controls the game. She gets people to the right spots. Um, she makes big plays, big shots. So having a coach like Pat and then having Neve, who kind of controls the game as well, is massive for them because they have a very distinct pace that they want to play with. They, they do want to get in out in transition, but if they don't, they run really good sets, lots of screening actions. Um, you know, Ariel Johnson as a downhill guard is probably one of the best in the league. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think if you were to say to Liffey Celtics before that semifinal, if they were to hold Father Matthews to, what did they hold them to? They held them to um, 71. They probably would have thought that they would have won the game, but, you know, Matthews defensively were excellent. Um, you know, Liffey Celtics maybe didn't shoot the ball great in the first half, which meant Father Matthews could stay in their man-to-man defense, which I was surprised they stayed in for so long because they throw a lot of zone in. But once Sarah made a few shots, they switched that 3-2 zone with Shannon at the top, and it's very difficult to break that down for some reason. Just teams struggle against it. Um, so, yeah, it's look, at I think Father Matthews are underrated nationally. Um, they have a, a massive chance now in this final on Sunday, I think. Paul, what were your thoughts on the two semifinals? Yeah, I think um, as Niall alluded to in the Gloucester Brunel one, obviously, um, foul trouble um, did have an impact on the game. Um, I think as well, you know, Gloucester, we we talked about it. Uh, One, I don't know if uh, my opinion means much because I uh, got both semi-final picks wrong. So uh, whatever I say here, whatever team is upset with me, just discard it. I'm probably wrong. Um, but yeah, we we talked about in the classic game how well they could shoot maybe the the three, um, and be able to to have that different, uh, variation within their, within their game, um, with the size advantage and say could they kick it out? Could they hit the threes? And, and they only shot you know twenty six percent from three, so that obviously was a was a struggle for them. I think then in the second half, Adele you know really took over the game. She had fourteen over over eighteen points, um, and really came out. Um, in that second half and, and led her team over the line there, there, there is something we, we kind of alluded to it before there is something special about Brunel this year that with all the underage teams making it there as well they're really playing hard for um, uh, their founder who passed away this year so there is a real um, togetherness within the club and a, a real um, hope 
hope that they can go and, and win three three um finals. So they're a dangerous team when they when they have that that self belief and obviously Adele's just just unbelievable. Um I thought then in the in the Father Matthews Liffey Celtics game, I, I thought Liffey probably missed Cato Flaherty quite a bit in terms of their rotations only went to five players really. They re- rotated a couple of the young ones got in for a couple of minutes near the end um and at different parts. But you know, having have five players rotating that that's obviously going to have a big impact um and you know maybe a, a, an issue in terms of why they, they maybe didn't shoot the ball well when they were gassed um but the Dwyers were were unbelievable um in that game whenever Liffey seemed as if they were coming back into it one of them popped up with a big play um and really really dragged their team over the line so um it's going to be a, an interesting final as we said you know the league game was a was a cracker um so therefore you know hopefully it'll be similar for the the final at the weekend. I think it's interesting when you look at um if you kind of look at the, the headlines, the storylines that some of the media or the papers will look at, it's Father Matthew's first final, but you forget that Grania and Neve have eleven senior cup titles between them. And then you've got Pat Price. And then you look at the opposite side and Brunel haven't won it, but they've been in the final recently and Adele is back and I think that's another factor. I think speaking to her after the game, she actually got emotional in the post game interview. I think it was because of everything we've mentioned, the 40th anniversary and the founder passing away. But I think this is something that she wants to do. You know, what what year was it, 2014, that 2015, that she had the 18th, 20s win and double MVPs. So, you know, going to the States, watching them potentially lose a couple of years ago, That's I think this is on her, this is on her hit list of what I need to win, you know, uh, in my career, Nile. Yeah, and it's sort of like, almost like a, a changing of the yard sort of game, you know, where you've got like, Alex and Eve came back for one more year and well it was one more year she still, still plays she's definitely good enough you know but she had retired for a while and she came back to play in Gronje used 11 finals between them so much experience and Adele like you know like, like the sort of younger generation of Irish players one of the best players you know looking to put her stamp on the competition so it's a really interesting sort of like um, storyline to this one like you know um, and like those players you mentioned are going to be key because you know as, as often happens in the big finals like the Americans tend to sort of even each other out and stuff you know and it's which Irish players and then <laughs> it's tough to pick Irish players here because like as Paul said in that in that semi final you know um Gronje and Neve were like good throughout the game but really in the last five minutes because Luffy were down big in that game and Father Matthews looked like they had it under control and Luffy mounted a serious comeback Sorka was excellent and, and they had a few threes and which weren't falling in the first half and they had all the momentum and they got it really I can't remember if they t- I think they may have tied it up. Um not if they tied it up not long to go. Um and that's really, really difficult. Like like if you've a big lead for like the vast majority of the game and then with like five minutes to go, four minutes to go, a team makes a big run and comes back. Like that's tough to fend off in basketball. Momentum's like huge, like you know, and you know, you need like the experience of the likes of the Dwyers. They sort of like have the mental toughness not sort of buckle then and they didn't you know and um uh, Shannon Brady was really good for them in the first half of what especially um so like yeah but that's interesting interesting storyline in this one like you know because you have those Irish players who have who've been there for the years and you know is this sort of one last hurrah for them in the national stage get the national cup or is it sort of like the likes of Adele and the new generation like are they going to take over and start there you know list of trophies which they'll finish their career with down the line like you know um again it's a hard one to pick because of that like you know it's like you know as, as Paul said like you know I think Father Matthews would embrace the underdog tag 
But I think when you sort of look at it sort of analytically, like are they really underdogs? Like, you know, when you look at the game they played just a few weeks ago. Um, Father Mappy's done the game this weekend. So they had two weeks really. And I know it's like you want to keep a game to keep you fresh, keep you sharp, like, you know, but like you also have two weeks just to focus on one game and game plan and Pat will be game planning for for every detail of the game, like, you know, so they'll definitely have a plan, like, you know, and and Brunel had a a close enough one over, over Meteors, you know, which you'd expect it at home. They'd probably be more comfortable there. But, like, again, that might, might be, have been, like, one eye in the final, you know, prepping for that. Because like, so, they're, they're definitely going all in the final. Like, their league record's excellent already. So, like, they'll definitely be focused on that too. Like, so, sets up another a cracking game. They finish the weekend on, on the Sunday. Mm. Paul Carr, I'll go to you just on this point. Are we potentially looking at, you know, bigger depth and a bigger panel with, with Brunel that'll make an impact in this final like looking at the semi-final I thought Danielle O'Leary was excellent some of her some of her no-look passes oh my god just cut through the, the defence is there a deeper panel for this Brunel team? Yeah maybe maybe a little Um, but again like you know as, as the lad said I, I I struggle with this game quite a bit because you know as Niall said, it is that. Is it the change in the guard, or is it that one last hurrah? And I just don't th- think you can um, count out the Dwyers just yet. And the big thing, you know, Niall talked about having that two-week um, gap and obviously being able to get game plan for it, but, you know, also having that rest for the two of them after a big performance is going to be good and maybe make negate that that depth um from definitely from just kind of fitness and and um being able to stay in the game game wise but Brunel obviously have a, a lot of uh weapons around around the court uh Holman as well you know she had 14 points had a big impact you t- uh, talked on um Danielle O'Leary Dell then you know the the other young girls coming through who obviously will be part of um of the other finals as well so yeah it's a it's a really hard game to pick from from my side of things, um, so it, it's going to be very interesting and, and interesting matchups. Paul O'Brien, I'll go to you first. Can you make a prediction, or will you do a Claire Claire Sullivan on it and throw it to somebody else? Um, yeah, look at I. To be honest, I've I've thought a lot about this game over the last number of days, and maybe I, I'm overthinking things a little bit. But I, I'm actually probably going to give it to Father Matthews. Um, I think. The one thing that Brunel maybe struggle ever so slightly with is very d- big direct guards, and I think Ariel Johnson is that. You saw what Giselle Thomas did in the semifinal when she had thirty eight points against them. You know she's very direct, gets to the basket. Um, you know the two Americans, Johnson and um, Williams for um Brunel, they're unbelievably athletic. Their rebounding is, is incredible, but they're they're prone to pick up fouls, especially on that. And you know if you pick up one or two. Two tippy ones early on, and you know, Granny and Eve have been here, done that. So, yeah, I'm going to go Father Matthews. Paul Carr? I think for me, I'm probably going to go for Brunel in this one. Um, I just think, as we talked about, I think this is one Edel really, really wants, and um, everything just seems to be lining up perfectly in terms of what they're playing for, um, and the crowd they're going to have there supporting the three teams over the weekend. So, I just think that there is something about um, Brunel this year and I think they're, they'll get over the line. Niall? Yeah, that's another cracking game or good matchup. Going to be close. You know, I expect it to be as close as, as the league game was um, not so long ago. Um, 
I'm going to go with experience. I'm going to go with Fowler Matthews. Um, I just think that experience is going to be massive in, in the cup final in the arena. I also think that that loss to Burnell in the league is going to help Fowler Matthews in the final. You know, I think it's really hard when two teams are evenly matched. It's hard to sort of like beat that same team multiple times, you know. Um, so I think I'll give not that you need any hunger for a cup final, but an extra bit of hunger for Fowler Matthews, you know, losing in such a dramatic fashion that they won't want to do it again and um just yeah just that extra bit of experience I think um they might edge it on the day. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't pick this. I've been tossing and turning in my head all day. Um I'm gonna go with fodder matches by a centimetre. I don't know. I I've friends on both sides. I feel terrible having to pick one, but I think the experience I think the two weeks really suits them. I think having the two weeks off gives Neve and Grania a break. It, I know uh, someone else kind of had a bit of an injury. Um, uh, that'll just kind of l- let them kind of relax. And I think, I think they they it'll suit them in terms of their prep. I think the the game for Meteor against Meteor su- uh, did might might help Brunel as well. But I think the two weeks really benefited um Matthews over Brunel. But I think again kind of the same point has been made. But that league game, I think they want to write that wrong. But you can see it in both teams, like they're both, they're all like so well gelled as a unit. Um, they're all friends on and off the court. You know, both Liam and Pat spoke about it. So they're both. I think, and what Claire said, you know, Brunel finding it, finding a way to win that league game. You know, will give them big confidence as well. But I think I'm going to go with experience in this. I just can't count. I can't count out the Dwyers and Pat Price in the cup final. But again, I can see Brunel doing it. So slightly political answer. Um, that's going to round up the Women's Cup Final uh, preview podcast. Guys, thanks a million for your time. I'm looking forward to the games and I'll see you hopefully on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Sounds good. Thank you. See you then.